Hi, everyone. Welcome to SAMA, a program in which we invite an expert each month to discuss a topic from their area of expertise. And in this episode, we are delighted to have Christiana Searle to talk about mindfulness. As a formal colleague, athlete, and current triathlete, Christiana always believed fitness and nutrition were paramount to improving performance and overall health. But her perspective shifted completely when she attended a 10-day, that's 10 days, silent meditation retreat in 2014. And through that experience, she began to unlock the power of the mind and the body connection and began applying mindfulness principles and techniques to areas in her life like eating, parenting, and friendships. Christiana now helps high achievers help uh, find presence through one-to-one -one coaching and working with organizations. She has over 200 so far to design wellness programs for their employees that center around mindfulness. Christiana's intention is to improve health, productivity, and happiness in all of her teams. Isn't that fantastic? She's been recognized as one of the top 10 health promotion professionals by the Wellness Council of America, and her clients have won many local and national awards for their employee wellness programs. This is all exciting stuff and very much aligned with the path which I'm following at the moment. Christiana, we're so happy to have you on our show. Yes, thank, thank you. you for having me. It's a pleasure. Tell me, how did it all start? I know it started with this uh, retreat that you did. Ten days. Could you describe yeah. that and, and how it impacted your, your life and your views on life? Yeah, for sure. So I, this was, I have two young kids now. This was before I had any children. So if some of you have kids, it's definitely hard to envision doing that with them around. Um, but I was going through a tough time in my life. I was transitioning my career and then had some personal health struggles at that moment and decided kind of on a whim to sign up for this 10-day retreat. I'd never really meditated before, which I don't recommend, <laughs> but uh, it um, I recommend meditation, but not doing a 10-day necessarily if you've never done it. And it was, I mean, as you can guess by me being here with you today, John, it was life-changing for me. I'd never realized how much I had going on in my mind at all times, even if I was sitting in silence, just, you know, the songs that would come up, the thoughts, the old stories I would tell myself, things that may have happened, things that may have not, yes. old emotions, and you're nodding like you know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a beautiful experience, very difficult, very challenging. But when I came back, I said, you know, this is an amazing practice, but quickly realized I couldn't live my life in silence. That was not my path. So I had to learn kind of how to bring the principles that I had learned into a life that does have a phone and speaking and communication in many forms. So that's kind of how I started on this path. So you went from without doing any meditation basically at all <clears throat> to 10 days of silence, of pure meditation, which is high level. Are you the sort of person that does things full on or nothing? You, you go right into something. Yeah, I tend to be. I, I mean, I, I think in that case, I knew I wanted to make a life change. And I think 
you know, you seems like you would understand this too. I just had an intuition that this was kind of something that I needed to do. It had crossed my path a few times and I'd said, no, I don't want to do that. And then when I had this health challenge and the career change, I said, you know what, I just need to do something that I would never have done before. And, and that happened to be it. So, you know, it was a, I don't know if not quite a midlife, maybe not a quarter life, but it was a some life crisis at that time. Right. And many, a lot of people do experience those sorts of crises, but there can also be opportunities to, to make a big change. Now, you turn your crisis into something extremely good because now you're mentoring people, you're improving the lives of thousands of people, which brings me to the point, just what is mindfulness? Sure, great question. So mindfulness technically is, if you want to get into a definition of it, it's awareness of the present moment without judgment how I like to use that in kind of layman's terms is just really paying attention to what you are experiencing in the moment. So if you're brushing your teeth, most of us are not mentally there for that. But if you're being mindful, you're paying attention to the water as it comes out of the faucet, the smell of the toothpaste, the feeling of the bristles of the toothbrush as they kind of touch your teeth or your gums. So it's about bringing awareness to these different things that we do throughout the day. You know, like eating is a big one. I get a lot of questions about, you know, if you pay attention to what you're eating, you might actually find that you eat less. Um, oh. You might find you eat more, right. but you're going to enjoy it more, most likely. How will mindfulness help people in day-to-day -day life activities? You've talked about brushing teeth, but during the course of a day, how can it benefit someone? Um, it'll be hard for many people to understand. I think, well, brushing teeth is kind of nice and it's zen, it's in the moment, but after you brush your teeth and you're doing your day-to-day -day activities. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways. I mean, I think you can apply mindfulness to every area of your life. Like I mentioned, eating is a big one. I think most of us, especially in this day and age, tend to eat on the go. We're eating standing up. Maybe we're eating while we're working at the same time. And so we're not fully present. We're not paying attention to what we're actually doing. And in the case of eating, we often overeat or we're not satisfied. You know, I always say, sometimes I'll grab a cookie and all of a sudden the cookie's gone. And I'm like, wait, what happened? <laughs> like, did I actually eat it? You know, and, and you realize, yes, you ate it, but you didn't take the time to enjoy it. And so you don't, your body doesn't, you know, your mind doesn't realize that you had it. So you might eat another one. You might eat 10 more. Um, so eating is a big one. Same thing with just physical activity. You might find that your body needs certain things on different days as you pay more attention to how you're feeling each day. You know, some of us might need music to work out to some days and other days you might want to do something slower, like maybe going for a walk with a friend and, and that counts as your exercise for the day. Um, but a big one and one that kind of has made mindfulness famous, so to speak, if you want to say that, is stress management. So by being more present to your day-to-day -day experience, your moment-to-moment -moment experience, you can actually reduce your stress and reduce your anxiety because now you're more aware of how things are affecting you that are around you. And you can use tools that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit to reduce that that feeling of stress that feeling of anxiety a lot of what you've talked about um 
sounds kind of of the benefits one gets from meditation when one becomes aware of the universe and and that calm and and in fact mindfulness was born from a certain 10-day retreat <laughs> what how, how do the two differ so great question so my i look at it as meditation is a tool for mindful living so meditation is when you take time out of your day and you sit and meditate whether you focus on your breath which is mindful um, meditation yes or you could do a mantra meditation. Some people like ones where, you know, you imagine yourself on a beach. There's a lot of different types of meditations. Mm -hmm. um, the one for mindfulness is we constantly focus on our breath. So that's meditation. And then mindfulness is kind of where the rubber meets the road. It's once you're done with the meditation and you're stuck in traffic and someone cuts you off, how do you respond to that situation? Do you respond mindlessly by reacting and yelling at them and honking your horn? Or are you conscious enough to take a breath and say, okay, you know, this wasn't ideal. I wouldn't choose this, but I'm going to accept that this is my current experience in this moment. So another way to look at it for those of us that are exercisers is, you know, you go to the gym, you lift biceps, or maybe you do squats. And, you know, you've taken time from whatever else you have that day to go exercise the body. That's kind of what meditation is. It's exercise for the mind, mm -hmm. focusing the mind. Mm -hmm. And then when you leave the gym and you have a package arrive at your house and you have to use some of those muscles to, you know, pick it up, that would be the mindfulness. So it's the real world application of the meditation. Okay. Okay. You know, the... Um... I'd say almost certainly, well, it's, it's almost, almost well, it's like that stress levels today are more than they mm -hmm. were for our ancestors. And I think that um, application of any technique, techniques that can reduce stress levels mm -hmm. um, has got to be beneficial for our health. Um, but what signs uh, can, can people look out for to, to see that their stress levels are, are beyond normal? And, yeah. uh, and something needs to be done. Yeah, so stress is interesting. Um, you know, our stress from our ancestors that you mentioned, it's just different. You know, when we were being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, that might be a little bit more stressful than our phone battery dying, you know, for example. <laughs> so, you know, it's just different stress. And I use that example also because what stresses you out is going to be very different than what causes me stress. So it's a very unique experience for each individual person, because I have my own culture, my own family relationships, my own health that I'm, you know, that I'm managing. And so what causes me stress is going to be different than what causes you stress. And then additionally, how we respond to it is going to be different as well. But some common things to look for are, you know, this feeling of maybe tightness in your chest, maybe like I hold my breath when I'm feeling stressed. I mean, I'm not holding my breath and turning blue, but I, I breathe much more shallow than I would normally. Others might experience sweating, you know, or just a feeling of tension. They might notice their fists are clenched. My six-year-old son clenches his fists when he, when he starts to feel, you know, a little bit stressed about something. Some people might notice the, you know, a furrow in their brow clenching the jaw. Um, but over time, you know, these again have different effects on people, but if you're having trouble sleeping, 
I always tell this story. So if you meet my husband, you can feel free to ask him about this because this is a story of his. Um, but when I first met him, he had a hard time sleeping through the night. He would fall asleep, but he couldn't stay asleep because he had you know, anxiety and stress because of his job that he couldn't stay asleep, he would wake up with racing thoughts. So, you know, over time, this chronic stress, which is different from short term acute stress, you know, if you're cut off in traffic, to use the example I shared before, that's momentary, you know, once that car drives away, or a few minutes later, it's over. But if it's chronic, and it's constantly affecting you, you might notice trouble sleeping, some people also notice um, issues with their stomach, maybe, irritation in the stomach, that kind of thing, the body starts to break down. So you might see those types of, of things in your, you know, stress eating, for example, some of us like to eat, you know, a lot of food when we're when we're feeling stress. So again, that that's where the mindfulness comes in, you just have to start to become aware of what affects you, and then how do you respond to it in your body and in your mind. It's almost like tuning in with your with your emotions and your own feelings or any sensations that your body's receiving. Exactly. Yep. You got it. Wow. So is it difficult to do? Is it, is it, is it can someone just immediately start applying what we've discussed over the last quarter hour? Or is there other stages that one must take? So the the answer is it is easy to do, but it's difficult to remember to do. That's one of the things we joke about in, you know, in, in our circle is, you know, one of the hardest things about it is to remember to practice. Um, so it's, and there's not really a, a, I mean, there are techniques out there, but it's really just about starting where you are on your journey. So if for you meditating for 30 seconds feels like a lot, then start there. You know, if you're someone that's been doing this for years, you know, you can start longer, but you know, the key is with any behavior change, I believe is to start small and then incrementally grow. You know, I didn't start where I am on this journey yesterday. I started probably a decade ago at this point, you know, implementing different things. And, and now here's where I happen to be, you know, I have a long way to go as well. Um, but that's, that's what I would, I would say is, you know, it can be difficult, you know, because once you start to become aware of those emotions that you talked about, John, you know, that those sometimes can be difficult, that can bring up things that might be challenging for you to realize, like, oh, my gosh, I never noticed that I reacted to this situation in this way. And maybe that's not how I would want to be perceived by someone. So that can be a little bit tough. But to begin as far as doing a practice right away, it's pretty simple to begin. Okay, okay. And it can be free, which is nice, too. <laughs> it is. It's a personal thing. It's, it's, it's self-improving, isn't it? But you've got your mm -hmm. self-discipline as well. Is it, is it difficult to maintain the pattern? So I, I think, you know, when you, when you start anything new, it can be difficult to implement that into your life, but I recommend to make it easier to pick time of day that works best for you. For me, that's first thing in the morning. So I get up before anyone in my house and I do my meditation practice in the morning. And then that helps me be more mindful throughout the day because I've started my day with that sense of calm. 
Now I mentioned I have two young kids. Sometimes they don't follow my schedule. So (laughs) they get up early too. So, you know, you just have to go with the flow a little bit with that. But again, starting small. So my husband and I actually um, sort of found this work together and we started and we just said, okay, what is something reasonable that we really feel that we can achieve, but will still be a little bit challenging. So we started with just 10 minutes a day and we had a little chart and we had stars. And every time we did it, we got stars and, you know, we started with a month. So we said for 30 days, we're going to each do 10 minutes a day. It didn't have to be together. Um, but for us, that kind of got the, the habit going. And then once we finished 30 days, we, we fell off the wagon and then we had to start again. And so I think it takes, and research shows that it takes more than 60 days to complete, you know, to make a, ha- make a habit, you know, have it stick. Um, but it can be longer if, if this is something that's difficult for you, it can be even longer. So for me, it was probably closer to, to 90 days to really make it a habit and feel like I could tell when I missed a day. When you're, when people practice at least meditation and, and I meditate myself, I'm aware of things that happen whilst you're meditating, what happens almost every time is that your mind, before you know it, you're thinking of something. And of course, meditation is not about solving problems while you're zoning out. Uh, What would you suggest to people that have got problems just trying to block off what's around them and then becoming at one with the universe? Right. So that's the biggest challenge. And as a meditator, you know this, your mind, you come up with the most interesting thoughts when you're meditating. (laughs) Um, so for mindfulness meditation, anytime you notice your thought, your mind has wandered to something else, it might be a thought, maybe it's an emotion, it might be even a body sensation, sometimes your back starts hurting, or your leg falls asleep, something like that. Mm. You just that's your sort of reminder to come back to your breath. So you just anytime you notice, you come back to your breath. And it might have been, you know, you might have been wandering and wandering and wandering, and you're now in the 27th dimension. You come back <laughs> um, so you always come back to your breath. Your breath is what we call an anchor. And some people have trouble connecting to your breath. So if you are one of those, which I was when I first started, you focus on your breath where you feel it in your body. So that might be the nose where the where you breathe in. Maybe it's the chest. You can notice the rise and fall of your chest as you breathe in and out, or you can put your hands on your stomach too. So if you're, if you have trouble connecting with your breath, you can do that as well. Right. I noticed with questions I'm asking you, you give several alternatives. Um, Is this because everyone is different? Everyone's got different things that work for them. There's no one, no one method. (laughs) I mean, I I really believe that we're all unique and we all have different um, needs. And so, and and it might be different for people in different stages of their life. And so I like to provide different options of ways that we can all come together in this practice, but maybe in in different forms that, you know, I, I do believe that meditation is extremely important. I recommend that to everyone, but there are also other mindfulness practices, you know, journaling to help get what's in your mind out of your mind. 
Um, you can, you know, like I said, the mindful eating practices that we discussed, you know, mindful listening, you know, oftentimes we talk more than we hear people and we have two ears and one mouth. So really we should be listening more than we're talking. And so, you know, <laughs> it's about, it's, I think it's about a, a holistic approach here and giving people different ways to try things and see what works for them. Right. And I guess a similar thing will, a similar answer will be given for posture during meditation. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there one posture that one must use or are there several options? <laughs> so, <laughs> so the recommended posture that I would say I'm a little more strict on that. Um, you definitely want to sit up as straight as you can. But again, there are options, you know, my husband has a, has a, you know, his back hurts when he sits on a cushion, like you see in the sort of stereotypical meditation photos where someone's sitting in a, you know, in a, what we call lotus position. Um, That can be difficult for some people. If you're very inflexible in your hips, that can really hurt. And so Mm -hmm. you can sit on a chair. But what we want to do, regardless of where you're sitting, is have a straight spine. So we want to, you know, open the airflow as much as possible. Um, I do have some people that have trouble even sitting for that long. So, you know, they can lay down as well. Most people that I come across do fall asleep when you do that, which maybe is your intention. If you're doing it before you go to bed, maybe that's a good thing. So again, you know, playing around with that. I tend to be someone that falls asleep so I cannot ever lay down and meditate. <laughs> I don't know. How about you? How do you sit? Uh, I, I, I sit straight up. Um, like your husband, I'm, I'm Mr. Inflexible. So I sort of sympathize with him. Uh, but I find that if I lean forward slightly, the, um, it, it seems to help. And I can maintain the position for much longer. Mm-hmm. Most times I only go for like 30 minutes. I did a okay. three and a half hour session two days ago. That's only because the alarm went off early and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I made something, I made, I made a, a nuisance, a mistake into an opportunity. And I um, decided to go for it. But this is certainly not normal for me. But um, whilst I was doing it, I was relaxing and, and it was beneficial. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly the back can be a problem. But I was watching a video yesterday where this... Um, um, this expert from India says that if you fall asleep, you can, whilst you're meditating, mm-hmm. you can pass the meditation to your sleep and you can meditate in your sleep. So you wake up incredibly refreshed. So it may not be a bad thing. Correct. Yeah. It may not be. But again, you know, I guess everyone's different. <laughs> and you've got to yeah. do what, what you're comfortable with. Otherwise, you won't continue doing it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had that. I have done meditations where I I know I'm probably going to fall asleep and and it is a very deep sleep when I, when I do that. So again, it's just, you know, if you're, if you're trying to meditate and you have to go to something shortly after that, then maybe not, you know, maybe not lying down is the best option. What clothing would you um, recommend whilst doing mindfulness um, meditation or yeah, during the meditation, during the side of the day, is there any sort of clothing recommendations that you would make? I just think be comfortable. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've done meditation and, you know, you can really do it in any clothing, but I think being comfortable, you know, both temperature wise and, and being in whatever position you do choose to sit in 
um, something that allows for that. Okay, so we've, we've covered meditation. Are there any other techniques that complement um, the practice of mindfulness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked, we talked a bit about eating, um, you know, just when you are getting ready to eat, one quick, you know, thing is to just look at the colors on your plate, notice what the colors are, you know, and use your five senses. So that would be sight, ah. smell, you know, if there is a sound, depending on maybe if you're cooking the meal, notice the sound, mm -hmm. uh, any textures, uh, and then finally would be tasting. And so if you, if you go through those five senses, that can help you enjoy your meal more and be more present for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just incorporating some of these, what I call micro practices into your day. So maybe you're not, you know, maybe you've done your 10 minute meditation for the day, but you're heading into a meeting and you don't have 10 minutes prior to it. You know, one tool that, you know, is, I guess you use in meditation, but you can use your whole through your whole day is paying attention to your breath. And so you can do different practices of maybe you just take three deep breaths before you join the zoom call, or maybe while your camera isn't working like mine was, you know, you take a couple of, of deep breaths at that time, or, and they can be I, I like to do deep breathing. I recommend deep breathing that helps calm the nervous system and just sort of recenters you in the moment. Um, so paying attention to your breath is a very important practice of mindfulness because you can notice that at any point, if you're waiting in line behind someone, you can pay attention to your breath. If you're on the phone with a family member that may be triggering you, you pay attention to your breath. So noticing that throughout the day, um, also movement. So mindful movement, you know, tends to be slower movement of the body, you know, a lot of people would call it yoga. You can do some stretching, but just really pay attention to how your body is moving. You can also walk, you know, walk very intentionally. Um, those are just a couple of, of ways that you can incorporate it. Also, you know, like I mentioned earlier, journaling to me is a mindfulness practice. Um, I like to journal with using the a gratitude practice. So just asking yourself, what are three things or even one thing that you're thankful for today? Yeah, the, the, the tough days will be one thing. <laughs> Correct. Yes, absolutely. But even, even on a tough day, which we all have them, right? There's always something to be grateful for, whether it's just simply the roof over your head or, you know, clothing or something to eat, you know, someone that said hello to you, there's always something you can always find something small to be grateful for. And I believe that that's always true, no matter what is swirling on swirling around you in your life, you know, as long as you're breathing. This is a quote from John Kabat-Zinn. Um, as long as you're breathing, there's more right with you than there is wrong with you because we're a collection of billions and trillions of cells. And as long as we're breathing, more of them are doing the thing they should be doing and doing the right thing than are not. So, Would you, would you um, agree that mindfulness is like a recipe for happiness or can be part of recipe for happiness? Yeah, I think it definitely, I think it can be for sure part of, you know, I, th I think connecting to yourself helps you connect with those around you. You know, if you have a family around you or friends around you, or even people that you work with, 
you know, and you're connected to yourself, you can connect more to others. A lot of my clients have seen that in their relationships as they become more mindful and present, they realize that that sort of spreads to people around them. So I think it is an ingredient to happiness for sure. Um, you know, but I think you can be happy or you can be peaceful as well. And, you know, so without getting into semantics, you know, I think happiness is a, is a nice goal, but also being peaceful, I think might even be a level above that in my mind. Right. But both of these can also have positive health benefits, real benefits. Absolutely. What, what, what sort of, can, can you tell us what sort of, um, you know, maybe give examples of people that have gained from the application of mindfulness mm -hmm. in their health in their, and in their lives? Yeah, definitely. So if you look at the work of there is a, there's a program called mindfulness based stress reduction. It's an eight week program. And so if anyone's interested in learning all of the science behind that program, it's been in existence for about 40 years. And wow. it, there's, yeah, and it's out of Boston, Massachusetts in the US. And so that program has shown a reduction in stress, reduction in anxiety, improved relationships. They've also seen, um, you know, people, not everyone, and I don't want to recommend this because obviously, you know, everyone has their own journey, but people getting off of certain medications that they were dependent on prior to the program, people not being readmitted to the hospital for different conditions that they have. Um, so, I mean, I've seen individuals that, you know, had a, a, a hemorrhagic stroke, for example, and because of stress, and then decided, hey, I, I, I serve, first of all, I survived that, which was, mm. you know, a big thing. Mm. And then they decided to, you know, change their life. And one of the ways that they did that was through mindfulness. And that helped them manage their stress to hopefully mitigate that from happening in the future. Can we predict a stroke or a heart attack that didn't happen, you know, not at this point, maybe someday, uh, or at least not that I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, I, I've personally seen people, you know, make job changes to find their true passion because of becoming more aware of how they're mm -hmm. feeling during the mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. I've seen people, you know, improve their relationship with their children, because they didn't realize that it was some sort of block that they had that was preventing them from, you know, connecting with their, their kids, another one, their spouse, um, you know, people becoming better leaders, just because now they're more compassionate, they're aware that people might have more of a, you know, they're more aware of of the things that people deal with, that we're all different, and everyone's coming to the workplace with different things going on. And so being more compassionate in that way. Um, so I've seen, I've seen a lot of great changes in people's lives, but it doesn't come without putting in the work. Can everyone do it? I believe that everyone can do it. Yes. Okay. It's um, when I was listening to before the guards to, you know, having a better relationship with your family and, uh, and friends, I guess um, if you become more perceptive to detail, you could see the micro expressions that people give. And then this little, you know, you could, you could see early signs of someone being 
um, displeased with something and, and, and remedy situations right. so that it doesn't uh, become, uh, doesn't boil to the surface. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And you become of your own, you come become more aware of yourself becoming agitated, for example, at, you know, someone else you're saying, okay, my, my chest is getting hot. My breathing is getting shallow. Like I mentioned earlier, okay, something's happening. That something's triggering me. And then you can either choose to like step away from that situation or maybe take some, you know, take some breaths to yourself, um, you know, to sort of calm yourself. So you're not just reacting to the situation. And that's a big one. I mean, reacting versus responding you know, reaction, we just do without thinking, you just fly off the handle at someone. Whereas responding, you're choosing your response. So you're taking that extra moment to, you know, reflect and choose, do I want to respond in this way? And you may still respond the same way, but at least you've had a choice in that. Right, the, the three-second rule. <laughs> before, you, before you push the red button, just give yourself three seconds to contemplate. Exactly. <laughs> How long does it typically take somebody to become instinctively more mindful? Again, I, I mean, I think in my experience that varies. Some of us are naturally more mindful than others already, um, but they may have challenges in different ways. So, I mean, I I think it takes at least a couple of months to start getting used to sort of the practices and integrating it into your life as it is. And then seeing as things change and things flow, which they inevitably do, you know, okay, how is this practice helping me? Like, for example, I had, when I started um, shortly after that 10 day meditation, about six months after my dad had a, a major health challenge. My mother-in-law had a major health challenge and our dog passed away. Uh, and, and while I, and thankfully, you know, my mother-in-law and my father are, are fine now. This was several years ago. Um, it, and it was something that I would never want to experience again. Right. I feel that because of my mindfulness practice, I was able to be present for all of what happened. So I saw the beauty in my mom and everyone that kind of rallied around her and sort of came to help my, you know, my parents as they were going through that. I saw, you know, my sisters and I got a lot closer because and we live all, you know, we're all spread out. Um, you know, because we sort of bonded together over this shared experience, same thing with my mother-in-law and my husband's family, I saw a similar thing in their family. So, you know, I, I think it takes, uh, to answer your question, I think it takes, it depends on the person, how long it takes to sort of integrate. But I think no matter where you are, whatever you're, whenever you start or whatever you do will be beneficial because we're all going to have these challenges, like I just mentioned, with these health crises in my family. And so how do we want to face those challenges? Do we want to face them from a calm, grounded, present way? Or do we want to be kind of scattered and haphazard as we enter that? So. Okay. Right. Um. If someone wants to lose weight, it's always easier to have a group of friends who are part, you know, 
part of the secret and they and there's like a mini competition but they self they support each other is it a similar thing with mindfulness does it help to have other friends and colleagues who can support and give suggestions and uh compare notes i think so i i i think that you know team a team approach is always helpful i think yes. with you know, with the pandemic and everything we've been through in the last couple of years, I think for a lot of us, that was what we missed was that sort of community and team. So I think the community piece depends on what that means for you. So does that mean an app that has, you know, a community within that where you feel like, you know, there's a couple apps that will tell you, you know, congratulations, you finished meditating today. 2000 other people meditated with you. And that feels cool to know that, um, you know, that might be good for someone, whereas someone else might need, you know, to do a zoom call with their friend to, you know, feel like we're, we have accountability. Um, and yeah, I think it's helpful to, to share notes and say, Hey, I did this today. I did that. Um, you know, but because mindfulness really is a lifestyle, I think it's about applying it to your unique life and your unique situation. I think it's always helpful to, to talk with others about that. Are there any apps that you would recommend people use? Yeah. So there's an app called insight timer. Um, I believe they, ha I haven't used it in a while cause I, I kind of, I don't use the apps myself anymore, but my clients have used it and there's a free version and a paid version um, and that's great if you just want to sort of search for meditation for sleep, for example. They have thousands of teachers. I'm one of the teachers on there if you want to look up some of mine. <coughs> um, there's also um, an app that a lot of my clients like called Headspace, which you may have heard of. Um, it's more of a prescriptive you know, here's day one, here's your meditation for day one, here's day two, here's day three. And they have fun little cartoons and things on there that are that are helpful to learn some of the concepts that we're talking about. Um, there's another one called Calm that is very popular as well. So those are kind of the three. And I, I believe they, you know, some of them are subscription, kind of depends, they change their models, it seems. So I can't keep track of all of them all the time. Um, in books, uh, for beginners, people learning and they know right. nothing now. Is there, are there any books that you would recommend for people to, that they could read and get some of the mm -hmm. basic concepts of mindfulness? Yes. Yeah, so um, a book I like is called Wherever You Go, There You Are, which is by John Kabat-Zinn, who created the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program I mentioned earlier. There's also a book called, I believe it's called Intro to Meditation. It's by um, Yogani. It's a very tiny little book, um, maybe 50, 60 pages. So that's, you know, kind of a, an easy way to start. Um, and I think any book on kind of compassion is helpful because while it doesn't specifically talk about mindfulness in the, in the title, um, there's a um, I guess it is called mindful self-compassion. It's by Kristen Neff, um, because I believe, you know, compassion is a big component of mindfulness because we tend to be our own worst critic, right? We're, we're harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. You know, sometimes we say things to ourselves that we would never say to a friend or a loved one. And so having compassion for yourself and where you are on your journey is so powerful and so healing to implement that practice. So 
Um, that's a great book as well. That's quite, you know, mindfulness has got um, such a terrific impact or the, the potential to provide an impact to people's lives and health. And it's not expensive. Like it's not something you have to take buy and then take every day it's something it's just a, a different lifestyle that you introduce a, a change to your lives and um and then there's there's real world benefits mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm struggling to think of any cons maybe that having to meditate every morning or set aside a time for meditation is probably the only con but that in itself is a pro because it means you're for at least a short period of time, distancing yourself from all these triggers around you. Right. Yeah, I think the, you know, one of the cons, it, it's not necessarily a con, but it does, it does take time. And it's a, it's a lifelong journey, you know, it's, it's not going to be something that in, you know, in three weeks or three months, or even three years, you're going to say, okay, I'm done. I'm <laughs> you know, I got it. It's over. Um, you know, it's, as you continue learning about yourself, you find all these different layers. I'm sure you've experienced this in your meditation journey that you didn't even know existed. And you find different places in your life to apply it, you know, your family, your exercise routine, your finances, even, you know, um, eating, as I've mentioned a few times, family relationships, even technology, you know, mindfulness over your technology use right now, that's a big topic. And so, you know, there, there, there's just so many ways to apply it that sometimes it can feel overwhelming and it, and it does take time, you know, as anything should. I'd like to thank you for the um, time that you've gifted to us. You're um, we, we've, we've gained a, gained a terrific lot of um, knowledge from our discussion. Is there any points that we haven't covered about mindfulness that you'd like to mention now? I think we've covered most of it. I, I mean, think I can yeah. continue talking, but yeah, I, I think we've covered the main points and, and how people can get started and, you know, apply it to their lives. So, how can people contact you to um, have? Sure. Um, tuition how, how can people contact you so i'm on instagram um it's christiana surlay uh or you can feel free to visit my website it's the same christiana and just kind of connect that way and and we can go from there but i would love to connect with you on instagram linkedin um facebook as well and, and just kind of see how your journey is going and what's what's working for everyone out there because I, I learned too from from communicating with others so and you've got a uh, quite a presence on youtube and other um online uh media that i've um seen it's very embarrassing when you interview someone and then you just realize at the very end of the interview you've pronounced their name wrong the surname at least oh, <laughs> Thank you for not correcting no. me. Um, it shows that you've got fantastic compassion and also a, a huge degree of tolerance, which is very good whenever. <laughs> so Don't worry. You. It happens all the time. So, Thank you I so much for coming on to our show. It's been a wonderful blessing to us and all the viewers um, that have been Thank watching you. this uh, video. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.